So today's podcast is about the wonderful Wizard of Oz, a movie we've all seen uh, maybe multiple times. I know when I was a uh, young person growing up, this is before the days of streaming, before the days of DVDs, before the days of VCRs. Yes, I am old that The Wizard of Oz would play once a year, and it was a major experience for us. And we would watch it every year. I believe it was on the Friday after Thanksgiving. And so it soaked in. So you may ask, who am I? Well, I'm Joe Rigg, and I'm here to tell you how to use The Wizard of Oz in a U.S. history classroom because it is much more than meets the eye. So The Wizard of Oz uh, dates back to the books written by Frank Baum in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And the way I utilize this, uh, the works of Baum, but the movie version, of course, of, of Frank Baum, is there is a theory. Now, it is a theory. There's nothing completely fruit proven that Baum's work uh, was a metaphor for what was known as the Populist Party in the late 1800s, mainly the 1890s. Um, and they were made up of a group of farmers who were upset over conditions in the country and uh, began to gather support uh, strong enough that as a third party, they were able to win 22 electoral votes in 1892. And um, eventually, the uh, they sort of merged and took over the Democratic Party um, in the elections of 1896 and, and the next uh, decade, really. Um, and they were led by a charismatic um, politician, senator from Nebraska, William Jennings Bryan, who ran for the presidency three times. And since you have never heard of President Bryan, that is right, he lost all three times. So how does the Wizard of Oz uh, display this story? Well, what I do with the movie is I show the famous scene of Dorothy as she falls from the sky, lands in Oz, and then proceeds to meet the, the residents of Oz, uh, or of Munchkin land. Um, and she meets the Munchkin, she meets Glenda the Good Witch, and of course she also meets the Wicked Witch of the West, um, after killing the Wicked Witch of the East. Um, and so or is it vice versa? Anyway, um, and so there is a theory, and so this is how I use it for the students to introduce the topic of the populace. Um, I, I simply play the clip in the classroom. It lasts uh, maybe five to 10 minutes, that scene of Dorothy landing in Munchkinland, um, and I play it until she eventually leaves and, and heads to Oz um, down the Yellow Brick Road, and I ask kids to try to figure out why I am playing this. Now, my students generally will have done some work already with the material involving the populace. They will um, have done, uh, you know, some good textbook reading. And, and, I, and I generally use this for an AP level class. So it's not going to work unless the kids have done something ahead of time. Although I have used it in other classes, introduced it, and then I have a reading that goes along with it and is a way to sort of capture the kids' attention and to get them to think of a, a, the metaphor. So the metaphor that is presented is that 
the characters um, and much else in in Oz, in the books and in the movie, uh, represent uh, various things that were going on in the country at the time in the 1890s. Um, there's also some thought that these ideas had particular resonance um, with studio, uh, with, with movie audiences in 1939 because of the Great Depression. So Dorothy is supposed to represent um, the common uh, sort of naive uh, American. She's wholesome. She's good. She just wants to go home back to sort of a, a normal safe existence, uh, perhaps steeped in the past. Uh, the scarecrow logically stands for the uh, uh, common farmer. <clears throat> the tin man um, stands for uh, industrial workers whose heart, meaning their soul, has rusted um, and because of the poor treatment that the workers were receiving at the time. And the Cowardly Lion stands for the aforementioned William Jennings Bryan because he roars but has sort of no, no bite to him. Um, the Munchkins, as you listen in the movie, uh, stand for various workers. Um, the, the witches, uh, the East representing the powerful um, bankers and uh, industry of the East and the West, the powerful uh, farm trusts and farm machine companies there. So that's why it's Wicked Witch of the East and, and West. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and then uh, the, the Yellow Brick Road, of course, leads to Oz. And the reason why that is, is in the 1890s, there was a big fight over how money should be supported. Should it be backed by silver or should it be backed by gold? And if you notice, gold, which the farmers did not want, leads to Oz. Okay, OZ, get it? <clears throat> and there is the, the, the wizard who is a, a basically a fake and a fraud. And so that is supposedly the metaphor that Baum wanted to draw, that the path of gold led to Washington, where there was the blowhard politicians who were really nothing. And in the original book, Dorothy's um, ruby slippers, because that's what they are in the movie, were silver slippers. And silver was the coinage that the... Uh, farmers uh, wanted uh, money supported by. So there are some of the metaphors. The flying monkeys are supposed to represent Native Americans because at some point they say in the book, um, we once ruled this land until the, the, the witch subdued them. So they're, they're, they're representing the Native Americans. So there are all these supposed metaphors on, on which the, the, books uh, were alluding to that audiences may have picked up on in, in you know the turn of the century. So that is my explanation for how to use The Wizard of Oz in the classroom. There are many readings that you can use that um, after playing the clip, the students could uh, discuss and, and look at in order to see these ideas. And um, it makes for a good introduction to a topic that often can be a little dry for many students. Thanks for listening. This is Joe Rigg signing off.